0: Welcome to Print Run. My name is Eric Kane. Uh, today is October twenty fourth, and with me today is this kick ass Gong. <laughs> 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 and and with the two of us is Laura Zatz. Hello, Laura.
1: Hi, Eric and Gong.
0: The third wheel of the operation. I often today. feel that way um yeah so we've got um a great episode for you today we're going to be talking about a variety of things that are better to just get into when we get the chance but um yeah so we've got this gong and i have the mallet that we got um which i'm
1: I'm soon (laughs) learning that this was a deep deep mistake
0: (laughs) yeah so this is going to be really good like we talked about in prior episodes um we're just going to trade off who gets it today. I have it um, because I'm a grabby toddler and needed to play with the toy first. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, so um, why, don't you, why don't you start us off with the basic housekeeping, Laura?
1: Sounds good. It's not as cool as hitting the gong, no, uh, unfortunately. So just a reminder for all of no. you. Stop <laughs> that.
0: All right. I'll, I'm, I'll be- I'm,
1: okay. First thing.
0: I'm going to be responsible. We're going to need to be
1: responsible even though we're not having rules with this gong. Second thing, should we name the
0: gong? We'll think. Let's not just – that will come organically, All I right. Think. Um, all right. But, yes, we but probably should. I was should.
1: wondering if we should crowdsource it.
0: Oh, we could crowdsource it. Yeah. Well, we'll, well, okay, with a caveat, though. We can crowdsource it if I like what the crowd gives us. So not gongy like if, McGong face? Yeah, exactly. Like if you all give trash suggestions, I'm not naming the gong that. But, like, yeah, no, we should, we should put out a little thing. All uh, right. Send us emails. Name the gong.
1: Yep. So first thing of housekeeping, name the gong. Gonging McGong face (laughs) is off the table. table. As is Bodie McBoat face. Yeah. Um, I don't know. We could we could name it Jared after the wonderful uh, listener who gave it <laughs> we to could us. Name the gong Jared. But I'd feel bad at hitting Jared's gong face. I was going to say
0: we'd probably just have it in honor of Jared. We probably yeah. don't need to name the gong All right. Jared. Well,
1: Jared, um, you get two votes in what we in what we <laughs> name this gong. Second order of housekeeping, as a reminder for if you've been listening to previous episodes, we have two special episodes coming up in November. Mm-hmm. So normally, as you know, our episodes drop on Tuesday. Uh in November we're gonna have two special episodes, one dropping November third and one dropping November 17th. These are Thursdays. Yep. So the other day that starts with a T. Wow. Uh,
0: so, what a great mnemonic device that is. That's incredible. You <laughs> <you're>, know what?
1: <laughs> right, you're a little feisty continue, today. Continue. Uh and so these these episodes, they're going to be directed specifically at writers. We know uh, it's you know it's kind of hard to to get specific feedback from agents and editors as you're you know in the querying trenches as you're revising, as you're doing all of that. Um, but that's what we're here for. So we are doing on November 3rd we are doing a query critique yeah. episode made up entirely of queries submitted to you to submitted to us by you specifically for this episode. Um, The November 17th episode is for your first page. So we will be reading through and critiquing the entire thing.
0: Yeah. Um, So, yeah, the query show I'm especially excited about because I know whenever um, I get queries in my inbox and end up having to reject them for whatever reason. um, I mean, you probably get this too. A lot of people then respond and say, well, can you give me a little feedback? And the answer as a policy is no, just because there's... There's hundreds of them to get there, and you can't you can't have that kind of interaction with everybody, you run out of time in the day. Um, but this is the show for that. Like this is a chance where actually when we reject a query or accept a query, basically when we, we give feedback on line a query, by line. Yeah. We'll go through and kind of tell you, well, this is a strong bit. This is kind of where we stopped reading, you know, that that sort of thing. And so hopefully, hopefully that proves to be helpful.
1: Yeah. So listen if you've submitted something, listen if you haven't submitted something. Uh if you're wondering how to submit, send us an email at printrunpodcast at gmail.com. Uh just a note that our November special content episodes will be given away for free mm-hmm. thereafter. Uh, we will only be releasing them to our Patreon supporters, Uh, Patreon, if you don't know, is an online crowdfunding website for artists. Are we artists? I don't know
0: what we are. I don't know. If
1: Bob Dylan... I'm just
0: a boy with a gong.
1: If if Bob Dylan won the Nobel Prize for Literature, we can be be artists. Yeah, 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 we
0: can be artists.
1: We're talking about art anyway, and we're trying to help you with your art. And uh, we want to keep the lights on. So if you give $5 a month to Patreon, you get access to our query show. If you give $10 a month, you get access to our first pages. If you've ever been to a writing conference, uh ten dollars is way cheaper than a writing conference
0: and sometimes to the point about the lights being on sometimes the lights do go out in this room
1: it's because they're motion Uh, sensors
0: (laughs) we record in a studio where the lights are motion sensitive so if we sit here for long enough um the lights will literally immerse us in darkness and we'll be very sad and scared and you can help that
1: which is perfect because it's our halloween episode
0: (laughs) it is our halloween episode um are you doing anything fun for halloween
1: Um, I don't know. I, my, my original plans fell through, but I already had come up with a wonderful kick ass costume. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I was always the type who said, you know, I'm never going to do couples costumes. Uh, but then I got engaged and apparently that just all goes out the window. Yeah.
0: You lose all your principles. I lose all my (laughs) principles, but
1: here's what we're doing. Yeah. Uh, if, if you're from the Midwest, specifically Minnesota, you know, Mm -hmm. the legend of Paul Bunyan and babe, the blue ox. Mm hmm. Which you know, it's folklore. It's all about right. how we got all the lakes in Minnesota. Yeah. Um Basically, they they went yeah. through it, and I you can Google people it, know Paul whatever. Bunyan. Yeah. So so he had <laughs> so he had a blue ox, and and you know it it was the big statue in the movie Fargo, mm-hmm. which is not in Minnesota. It's in North Dakota, but still. Well, you know. Um, yeah. And so I'm going to be Paul Bunyan and my partner, my fiance, he is going to be Babe the Blue Ox. Wow. So we got him an outfit and I a am quite just. excited sight to see. Yep. And I am just rating uh, my Minnesotan closet for red flannel. And we'll okay. go from there. Well, good. What about you?
0: Um, I don't know what my costume is yet. I am completely unencumbered from this because I am not engaged. So happy me.
1: <laughs> See, that that was in place uh, of a gong.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, I was about to hit it again, but then I was going to feel excessive. Um, so one more thing on housekeeping, though, is and this was something I just realized this last week, but... Um, There are reviews. There's review capabilities on iTunes for our podcast here, and and on Stitcher and Overdrive. Yeah,
1: not Overdrive, but but anywhere else,
0: you can go in. And if you know, we I know that you know people have been increasingly listening, and you know the turnout for each episode is getting a little better, and you know things are kind of picking up, and we're really excited about it. And so, if you've really liked what you've heard. Go to you know, and you listen on iTunes or somewhere. Go and you know, give us a review. Give us some stars, however many you feel compelled to give us. Give but us like
1: five stars.
0: <laughs> I mean, obviously, Laura, we would really like five stars, but we can't. We can't demand five stars from people. Give me five stars
1: uh, because otherwise, I'm going to get like 5 a.m. text from Eric Kane going, <laughs> "Somebody gave us three stars." Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. So give us three stars. Give us five stars, or I will come to your house and we'll. <laughs> or it
1: will we'll, come to my house, we'll which open, is worse.
0: We'll open a dialogue. About it, <laughs> um, but no, 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 but um, just but I guess it's just kind of one of those things where with the algorithms on iTunes and with visibility and all these things, it really helps to get reviews based on the research I've done. And if you're so, a
1: writer or you're a reader, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's the same thing with as with with reviewing books. Um, once you know, an example is once on Amazon, uh, a, a listing for a book hits fifty reviews. That's kind of the magic number, and that changes the algorithm, and then all of a sudden it shows up more often. Right.
0: So that's the point here too, and so it's kind of it is kind of analogous to that, where um, the we're better off the more reviews we have. So if you feel so compelled, we would love for you to do so. Um, the other reason I am incredibly excited about reviews um, for. For this show is because I think that's part of the metric that helps us climb the chart that I didn't even realize we were on. Did you know there's a ranking list of podcasts? Oh no! Yeah, exactly. Oh no! So there's we are listed under arts and literature as our category, um, presumptuous that we are, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but um, we're on we're on a list with all the other book podcasts that there are out in the world, and there are a bunch. Um, and I was kind of combing through, let me pull it up here. Let's see. Um, yeah. So there's a lot of the usual suspects here and there's, um, you know, we've got the No Sleep podcast, Myths and Legends. Um, you've got a few New Yorker things. Um, and we feel like we should be ahead of these people. We would really like to, to Specifically be
1: ahead of the New Yorker, their, their fiction podcast yeah. yeah. and inside the New York times book review.
0: So that's the one. That's the one that's sitting there getting us, and I. So, in the means of you know scouting the enemy and declaring guerrilla warfare on all those ahead of us in the charts, and our constant effort to topple the establishment um, in our populist podcast that we that we have. um, I listened. I listened today to an episode of the New York Times Book Review.
1: And tell me about it, because I didn't.
0: Well, it was it was pleasant, you know. They had a little they had a little violin music to start. They've got this beautiful little um, entry or opening intro. We have
1: violin music in our intro and outro. Yeah, I mean it's with other stuff. Is
0: it violin? I thought we had something else. There's in there. violin yeah, okay. too. Well, there's there...
1: technically twenty four <laughs> violins.
0: Okay, so that means okay, so what that means is that we have twenty three more violins than the New York Times <laughs> book review. Um, so you should definitely think we're we're better than them on that on that metric alone. Um, but yeah, so basically this is, uh, this is Pamela Paul and a bunch of editors at, uh, the New York times book review, um, kind of breaking down the bestseller list. This is, it's kind of the official bestseller list, uh, podcast. And so they have a lot of people on who are related to the list, a lot of authors, a lot of editors, um, things like that. And, um, I noticed today, Laura, in listening that they covered a couple topics that, uh, listeners of print run might be familiar with. Is that Uh, so Eric? (laughs) Yeah. Um, today they were talking about Stephen King and today they were talking about pseudonyms. Um and this was on their October twenty-first episode. So well after avid listeners of Print Run will note that uh we covered these issues well beforehand. So we talked about
1: Stephen King in our in our sample episode, which was in September, and then we talked about Elena Ferrante and pseudonyms in our second episode.
0: So, so I don't know if the New York Times book review is a fan of the show. I don't know if they've been checking us out. If Pamela Paul like goes home at night after you know sipping tea in her skyscraper and listening to violin music, and decides she needs to just turn on some print run and get loose, but uh, <laughs> it's uh, they see you know they seem to be covering a lot of the same a lot of the same things we are. But and they
1: it, are not a friend of the podcast. Oh
0: no 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 no. These this is this is blood warfare at this point. Um, but it basically, I mean. It was kind of – it made me think about why we started the show to be honest while listening to this because it was just kind of stale and prepackaged and brought to you by a giant big five publisher and all this stuff. And basically they just like read the bestseller list aloud over some pretentious violin music and then like cackled about – um, how many dead people were on the list? Like it was crazy. Apparently, apparently, that actually was a nice little. Tidbit. There are dead
1: people um, on the, the
0: list. <laughs> apparently, the bestseller list this this upcoming week when it releases is going to feature some some dead people. Um, so like that's recently yeah, dead. Yeah, I guess I guess they were kind of talking about um, like thriller franchises where the author um, had kind of created a world and a character that was so profitable that even after. The author's death, they found somebody else to keep writing, but they kept using the author's name on, like, on the franchise. Um, Vince Flynn is the example they, they were using, um, who died, I think they said in 2013.
1: Yeah, he died um, pretty recently.
0: Yeah. But anyway, so this is a show where basically they sit around and read the bestseller list to you. So it's it's really, you know, I when I picture who I think listens to us, it's mean, um, I'm interested to hear what you think, too, on this. I picture kind of a younger publishing crowd, you know, the assistant level, the associate level people and writers who are aspiring to improve their craft.
1: And the ones and the ones who who have a really, really solid understanding of what the business is. You know, it's not all fairy tales and yeah. Matt waving a magic wand and just getting lucky overnight. They know we'll it's get- hard work. They know it's messy. They want to know that we're real people.
0: Right. Well, so this, <laughs> this podcast or this New York Times book review podcast and really this whole list of podcasts that are currently – and I say currently because I believe that we're going to be able to get reviews to surge ahead of these people. Um, it's all that kind of insider old establishment publishing crap that we're all mad at anyway. This like is, look
1: at how shiny we yeah, are and exactly. how perfect books are and oh, no, we're not failing. We're this not – we are. We're not having no idea what makes a bestseller, but kind of <laughs> lucking into it.
0: It's just, yeah. It's this is the made it crowd. This is the this is the clubhouse, and we want to crash it, and we can crash it. And like, I don't know. They were. It was such a. It was just so unimaginative today. They were sitting around on this show, and they um, went around in a little circle I, I imagine them sitting in a circle in a tree fort while they're recording the new york times bestseller <laughs> in a <laughs> tree can't.
1: fort but like a fancy yeah. tree oh, no, no, fort no,
0: this is a very it's a very fancy tree fort is
1: this the one with steps instead of a yeah, ladder
0: there, yeah there's there's probably a doorman um <laughs> but, um and the, it got to someone you know and they asked her what are you reading and she basically said hamilton again and so we and As listeners know, for the last 20 weeks, we've talked about Hamilton and we're going to be talking about Hamilton for the next 20 weeks. So it's like, oh, this it's just like the emblematic elitist liberal garbage that comes into this, you know, New York Times book review podcast. And
1: I think the big difference between us and them is that when you said Hamilton again, I originally like I immediately (laughs) didn't go to the Hamilton biography that inspired Mm -hmm. the Hamilton. Yeah um the Hamilton musical on Broadway, I thought of the Hamilton, which was the behind the scenes <laughs> book <laughs> Jesus about Hamilton. Christ.
0: These are real things. <laughs> yes,
1: a it's a real thing. The Hamilton. I it's not actually called be, the Hamilton.
0: I have tried to intentionally stay away from Hamilton, but But I think um, I think
1: it says a lot though that I didn't go to like the biography. I went yeah. to like the cultural, young, innovative kind of book. Yeah, it's also the one I've the only one I've ever touched.
0: But so, <laughs> but so like between the New York Times book review, you know, I mean, we can we can uh, top the list, folks. Like this is a podcast about the list, and that podcast is on a list, and we could somehow sit on a list ahead of the list. How meta like, is that? How meta is that? And we could do it. And I think that I think that we will do it because I mean, what they only had. I mean, we we were talking about earlier. They only have like 265 reviews. They got a bunch of downloads, but we're gonna catch them there. But they also don't have that many people reviewing them because they're probably not that exciting.
1: They just they're they're it's a it's a book list that that you wanna be seen as as listening to.
0: Yeah, you definitely you definitely subscribe to it, and I've done this by the way. You subscribe (laughs) to it. I have been this person in the past where you just kind of have it, but you can't like imagine putting it on play mm. you just kind of have it so that when like you know someone grabbed your phone it's like "Ooh, what podcast do you have it's all like you know pretentious shit so that you look good but
1: <laughs> and then like way at the bottom is like what's the what's the one that you love that's oh, there's
0: like there's a few there's a few yeah in there that, i do um i'm not going to disclose on this show <laughs> um yeah but so like between that and the new yorker you know it the New Yorker Fiction Podcast. Talk which, to me
1: about that one. Tell oh, me about I, that one. Oh,
0: I love that one. That one, actually, I do. You unabashed. actually I, love it? No, I do unabashedly love it. It's got Deborah Treisman, who's lovely, on there, and she talks to whatever um, whatever author. And she has, she has somebody on the show, an author, to read a third party's work. Oh, and I they,
1: actually kind of like that idea.
0: And then they have. But at the same time, it's all, like, it's good, and you get to hear a story, and you get to hear some people talk about work. But- it's the same thing. It's just got that clicky feel of everybody knows each other. It's that
1: when I read the first time I read this author, it was this really, really obscure short story. And I've been in love with them ever yeah, since. Yeah, yeah. And, and they then you all have knew no each idea other. what they're talking and they're, about. Yeah,
0: and they're like referencing, you know, the party where all three of them met like, you know, 10 years ago sort of thing. It's just very it's the same thing. It's very clicky. And we can we can break down those barriers, folks. Like we want to be the podcast that surges ahead of all that. And I think we can, because I think there's a lack of fervor behind all these. And I think that we can get it. And I think that we have it. And so the long upshot is if you feel so inclined, you're having a good time and you want to see the New York Times book review um, and the bestseller list not be the top of its own list, vote for us. Like, go get us. It'll be great.
1: Yeah. (laughs) And, you know, it'll allow us to keep helping dismantle the the weird patina that kind of covers this entire industry you know yeah. where everybody in it is just convinced that it's exploding right as uh, as seen by our publishing death knell of the week yeah now would be a good time for a gong <laughs> but now i said it
0: oh yeah well then you're gonna get it i i prefer to use the gong when you least expect it when you're like t- <laughs> when you're saying something i hate i'll i'll ring it out then
1: yeah to just just cover me up um yeah, and you know, we want to we want to keep doing that. Like we love this business because we understand what the warts are. Yeah. And the the warts the warts are plenty and also we're we're really um narcissistic and we're ambitious and that's that's one of our big goals.
0: Yeah. Um yeah.
1: It's not a ridiculous <laughs> goal.
0: No, it's not a ridiculous goal. We can get there. Um so before before we move on to our you know Halloween themed discussion. We're going to talk about scary books. Um, da, da, da. Sp- there was something equally scary, um, and this is called a segue for all you people who are not in radio like I am, the consummate <laughs> professional that I've been for one month now. <laughs> um, there was something scary you said that I've decided that we are going to litigate in the only court that matters here in America, and that's the court of public opinion. Um,
1: <laughs> oh, no. What are you talking about?
0: Um, so Laura and I were having a, a fun little text message conversation over, you know, death and mortality as it relates to it's pretty our, typical. our stupid book publishing lives. Um, which anyone in publishing will be very well familiar with. Um, We've all contemplated our own death that are in our cubicles and so forth. Um, But you said, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, and I expect to be wrong, because I'm sure you have a different take on this than me, that you viewed one of your goals.
1: One of my professional
0: goals. (laughs) We'll see how professional (laughs) it is, Laura. Uh, (laughs) um, You viewed one of your professional goals as the day that you die – when you die, so RIP Laura Zatz, she wants a write up in Publisher's Lunch.
1: Absolutely.
0: Now, now, if you, I mean, Publisher's Lunch basically is the trade magazine for um, the book world. It's just got all the list of the deals, it's got the list of whatever Who book got news. Promoted, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just basi- basic professional book news. And Laura has decided that the ultimate sign that she has lived a good and uh, healthy and Profound and meaningful life is that she's going to get a little blurb, um, presumably somewhere between like the uh, romance novel deals of the day and. Um, some promotion from an editorial assistant to an assistant editor. Somewhere right in between. Yeah, there I want to be, be at the top of the
1: people <laughs> <No>. <laughs> subset.
0: So how can you possibly? So this is my question for you. How can you possibly want this? What do you mean? I how would, do I want because that? Because I hate Publishers Lunch. You open that thing up and I love it's, Publishers well, Lunch. Well, of course you do. But
1: <laughs> what is that supposed to mean? <laughs> it's
0: it's just, it's just like this. I mean, it's a it's a trade magazine. Of how can you love it? Like how can you want to be? I can't imagine the idea of being in there when I'm dead.
1: Because, okay, oh, so it's, so I, I like it because it makes me feel like I know what I'm doing. Like it lists, you know, what's sold really recently and so kind of like what's hot. <laughs> so it like helps me better at my job because I'm a literary
0: agent. I'll tell you what's hot. Laura being dead. That's what you're saying is going to happen in this, in this. Yeah, because, yeah.
1: like, I, I want to have sold so many books and worked with so many people that when I die, people are, like, bummed about it.
0: No, no, no. Because it's so, news. Okay, but so that's not what happens with Publishers Lunch. What
1: happens with Publishers Lunch?
0: You So you're envisioning, like, you know, the stupid daily email hitting and everyone, like, getting super sad. But what's actually going to happen is everyone's going to scroll through... And they're gonna stop there for a second, and they're gonna like vaguely, you know, read the paragraph, and then go back on to you know whatever bit of the newsletter concerns them, and then go continue wasting time because it's their morning at a publishing job, and no. But you want to know what my
1: favorite part about publishers' lunches is? is I don't.
0: But (laughs) now you're gonna tell me. Now I'm gonna tell you
1: is don't you get oh, yeah, that yeah, yeah, gong yeah. ready. I've got
0: I've got what's called the firing stance. <laughs>
1: <going>. <laughs> um. So my so my favorite part about publishers lunch is when I know something and it's not reported yet. So, like, when somebody's moving houses and, like, I found out early and then, like, a day later it shows up and I'm like, I already knew that.
0: This whole industry should sink into the sea. So,
1: like, basically it's (laughs) all just, like, telling me. It's all gossip. Yes. It's, like, telling me again. It goes to 40,000 people.
0: And you would like your life to be written up and placed in this newsletter to these 40,000 people. Um, and announced in condensed in such a way that it'll appear like what is there like a
1: how is this different than like a death announcement in the paper
0: because it's well because I don't necessarily love you that pay either, for but, that well <laughs> I mean it's different because the I don't know the death announcement in the paper encapsulates your entire life it encapsulates it treats you as something other than a drone to this you know outdated world we're trying to make a living in it's you know, Publisher's Lunch, it's like, I mean, and I don't have any gripe with what Publisher's Lunch is. I mean, it's a, you know, it's a newsletter we all vaguely read in the morning while we're in between cups of coffee and trying to wake up from our hangovers from last night's book happy hour. But <laughs> um, do I, the man, the idea of finding someone that I knew there a bit in there, it's like, oh. No,
1: the point is that you have already known that I've died. And that you read it, and then it reinforces so the that gossip. it's important. Hold
0: on, hold on. So yes. you're the gossip. Yes, uh, so, absolutely. So the same way that you snootily read Publishers Lunch about, oh, I already knew. I already knew that she was getting That's promoted. I, I already knew that she was getting. I already knew that she was getting a job at a different house. I'll be sitting there in my little office and being like, Ooh, I already knew Laura was dead. Eric, I we all knew- know that you're going <laughs> to die before me. <laughs> what? Why do we know that? Hold on. No, no, no. <laughs> Why do we know that? I'm not going to die. Because you're
1: older than me and I'm a woman and you're a man. And statistically, you'll die before me.
0: When, when, folks, will this war on men stop? <laughs> That's my question. <laughs>
1: I would like you to bury me in publisher's lunch. Oh, that's Jesus, all I'm saying. That's the sentence. That's the sentence. Bury me
0: in publisher's lunch.
1: How scared are you right now?
0: I'm not scared because that is the saddest shit I've ever heard in my You're life. You're
1: just horrified.
0: <laughs> I am horrified. You're just
1: horrified that we're friends now.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 not good. At least at least uh Gongy Gongy Kong over here. <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> a good name. I, yeah. um, so it's halloween this week by the time people will get our next episode halloween will have passed so we're sort of forced to just like
1: me and publisher's lunch
0: yeah yeah exactly god since yeah since we're on the topic of like sad death stories and mortality why don't we talk about the death holiday why don't we talk about halloween
1: i love halloween yeah mostly because i have apple cider. i have an entire cooler worth of apples in my fridge I'm not sure what like Halloweeny scary things you can do with apples but like Halloween to me is very much about fall too yeah so I'm sending you home with some apples oh,
0: Jesus um, <laughs> um, so we wanted to kind of have a basic conversation today um, what is you know your favorite your favorite scary book you know the favorite book that you have that kind of gets you in the Halloween spirit. You know, the one that really genuinely it doesn't and this the thing of it is is it doesn't have to obviously it doesn't have to be like in specifically in the horror genre. It doesn't have to be something that but just the book that you know, when you're sitting around on a dark and stormy night, the one that you would want the one that you would want to read, what is it?
1: Well, my my answer came to me really, really quickly. Uh-huh. Um, and it's you know, it's it's probably not overall the scariest thing that i've read but it's the thing that i most associate with scary yeah um and it's actually a three book series but i'm counting it as as one book yeah so it's scary stories to tell in the dark um and it was written in well the first book i think was published in 1981 the second and third were published in 1982 yeah it's a book of short stories based you know short scary stories based in folklore by Elvin Schwartz, and the best part about it is that the old version, not the new version. Don't buy the new version. Is that the old version was illustrated by a man named Stephen Gamble, and they're absolutely the most like scary black and white watercolor images you've ever seen in your entire life. And these are like really short stories. They're you know
0: yeah
1: five hundred words right. You know they're written at b- about a fifth grade level, and I just remember like making a um. a a blanket fort in my brother and sister's room and just reading them. So you were a
0: kid when you read these. Oh yeah.
1: And I like scared the bejesus out of me, but here's the thing, you know, like I was sitting with a couple of other publishing coworkers last week and we were drinking some wine. Um, and we decided, you know, oh, it would be fun to tell some scary stories, you know, some like real life ones, some you know, fake whatever. And the first thing I did is I went to my phone and I looked up these scary stories. these ones. So like as an adult, in yeah. a professional well, professionals a this doesn't word. sound
0: very professional this
1: in <laughs> in my office, yeah. let's just put it like that. Yeah. you know, like the first thing that I went to were these scary stories. And I think, Well, first of all, the the images are really, really scary. Mm. But I I think really what it is is that they're all based on folklore and urban legends. And so they all have these like and they're all really gory and they all have like this kind of like punchline at the end. Like some scary stories feel like the setup are like jokes.
0: Right. Right. Right.
1: And they just have this setup. And then all of a sudden you get to the end and you realize that, you know it's just terrifying and you know so I oh, I love them I love them so much
0: so gore, so gore yes. like so what's yes yeah, so what's scary about these books it's
1: so it's it's all about kind of I mean they're not when I say gore I don't mean like viscera everywhere sure. I mean a lot more of like um somebody finding a big toe sticking up out of the ground and cutting it up and like eating it and then realizing that it was sounds, part of a dead body. That, uh,
0: <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like viscera everywhere to well, be there frank. Wasn't.
1: I mean cuz it was already dead and that's not how that works. Um <laughs> it, you know or or there's, you know, like the woman that's driving home and there's a guy following her and he just like keeps flashing his brights on and then when she gets home she calls the police and she finds out and the you know, she finds out that there's a guy with a knife in her back seat and the guy is flashing his lights on whenever he raises up his knife, like that kind of sort of thing where it's like, I either like skipped it or like I accidentally did this thing or I've been punished for this bad thing that I did. Um, yeah. And it's just, it's creepy. It's really creepy. So
0: I've always, you know, and I have, I have an answer to this question too, that I suspect is the answer that a lot of people have to this question. Um, but before I give my book, that I always think of when I think of scary books, um, books as they relate to as they relate to movies, you know, because I feel like horror is typically a you know it's a film genre. Mm. Um, it do was you, a
1: book genre first.
0: Sure, but like I feel like today when people are trying to get scared,
1: they watch a movie. They
0: watch a movie or they watch a show. You know, they watch or you know anything that you know something visual. I feel like most people associate. Um, like the intentional act of trying to get scared with I don't know visual yeah absolutely and do you think that people can still be and do you think people can still be scared by books you know and I know that and that kind of sounds silly but I do mean it because I think we've kind of moved into such a visual and digital culture that you know there's and there's always going to be a place for good writing and there's always you know and there's always going to be a place for um, you know prose and books and all these things but You know, there are certain emotional experiences that people just start getting used to, you know, in certain mediums. And I always wonder if just the idea of being genuinely terrified for recreation, you know, the kind of thing we would go to a movie, is that something we can still do with a book and, or is it something we kind of have to retrain ourselves? You you know, know,
1: that's a really interesting question because... My immediate impulse was to say yes, absolutely. But yeah. then I thought about what I love about yeah. scary stories to tell in dark. And a huge part about when what makes it terrifying is Stephen Gamel's illustrations. Yeah. Um, so it really is visually immersive sure. in a way, you know, that, that is really reminiscent of a scary thing popping up in a in a movie theater right. on the screen. Right. Um you, you know, but at, at the same time, I feel like there's always going to be a place for, for literature, even if it becomes well, of course, but less popular. Uh, yeah. But but so here's here's why um, in a lot of scary movies, what they kind of rely on to be scary is not revealing to you what's terrifying. There's always kind of, you know, the scariest thing is not what's in front of you, but what's in the shadows and I feel like there's there's a really large part of imagination to it, mm-hmm. and there's nothing that requires so much imagination as reading a book.
0: Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. Anna, what do you think? No, I, I think that's true, and it, it's sort of I mean that that last point about um, you know imagination and it does being fostered when there's less to go on. You know, like a book gives you less than a movie does. A book. Um, makes you do more of the work in your own head. It
1: also takes longer. (laughs) It also
0: takes longer. Um, But, you know, when I think about my choice, you know, the book that I can think of that scares me the most, that genuinely, it really is one of the only books, I'm not someone who really seeks out horror movies or things like this. Um, I am a very, you know, scaredy cat. Are you really? Oh, my gosh, yes. I am someone who does not need to be watching scary things. But you're
1: so into the election. (laughs)
0: <laughs> wow, what a, what a topical joke that is! <laughs> um, oh God, but um, it's you yeah, know, I'm not really I'm not really into that kind of recreational terror. But the book that really does it for me is House of Leaves um, by Mark Danielewski, and it's you know for people who know it, it's you know you're probably nodding along right now because it's a masterpiece and it's genuinely terrifying. And if you don't, it's really hard to describe. But it's this heavily designed. Horror story about this house in which, um, if memory serves me, there's this creature in the basement and people go missing, and and all this stuff. But like the real point is that, um, you know, the book itself is you know set in such a unique way, and I really recommend it. If you you know go find the physical copy because I think you tried to look it up on ebook. The yeah, other day I had and you never heard yeah. of it, and I went but, to
1: go buy it on ebook because I was gonna be. Um Away over the weekend and had time to read, <coughs> but, and it d- doesn't exist.
0: Right. So, but it's a book full of different sized fonts and different sized layouts, and there's words going diagonally across the screen. And there's there's
1: there, different color, right? And there's
0: different colors, and there's words, there's pages with one word per page, and there's, you know, pages with giant footnotes, and there's, you know, there's all this, you know, handwritten stuff, different typescripts. I mean, it's a really interesting, um, it's interestingly designed book and all this stuff.
1: Would you say that that this book is visually immersive in this and in, in, in the way that it draws you in?
0: Well, so that yeah, no, so that's that's part of my point here is so when I think about the, you know, could a traditionally written book make me feel as scared as a movie? I'm it's not popular to say, but I'm sort of I'm starting to lean toward maybe maybe no. Um, you know, just because we're so used to staring at things on a screen or I am and I don't think I'm alone in that that it's hard it's harder to feel primal extreme things like that from a book but this book kind of breaks from that you know house of leaves you know i read this you talk about you read this book in a you know in a blanket for as a kid i read this like two years ago like in my grown man bed and was like <laughs> sleeping <laughs> sleeping with the lights on for like 2 days were after. You really? Oh my gosh, it's terrifying and and it's so good and it it always makes it's always interesting to find out like what we're scared of, you know. And this is a book and I'll never forget this. This is a book with um you know, a monster in the basement and this kind of labyrinth and all this stuff. It's a minotaur story and um but the scariest thing, like the bit I remember reading, was in the very beginning of the book when they're um, they're like measuring the house. Like for whatever reason, stuff just suddenly isn't geometrically making sense. And the guy gets out there, and you know, the main male character um, gets out there, and he starts, you know, you know, pacing off how how wide his house is on the outside. And it's however many feet, and he's using a tape measure and all this stuff, and he's measuring. It. And then he goes inside, and the house is a different length on the inside than it is on the out. So the and house
1: is a TARDIS.
0: I don't know what that means, and you're getting <coughs> gonged for that. What is a TARDIS? Uh, the,
1: uh, so Doctor Who, which is a 50-plus year yeah. running TV show that's yes. British, um, the space and time ship, uh, well, it, the TARDIS is... um. It's an acronym for basically it, it goes through space and time, and it's bigger uh-huh. on the inside.
0: Yeah, so it's yeah that that's that's kind of the idea here. And I just remember, um, like that finding that so funny that 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 was what scared me. This idea that the basic geometry of a situation wouldn't make sense. Like, forget the um the clearly you know like the looming monster in the basement i could care less about that at the time being but the fact that like the tape measure wasn't giving you the same number like for whatever reason that like freaked me out
1: really See, that's really interesting because it's
0: like the math the math you know what like the ultimate horror novel horror story for me is like you know an unbalanced like math equation (laughs) (laughs) like, like it just doesn't work out and I don't know. It's it's interesting to find out to find out what scares us, and I'm sure you know the thing with House of Leaves is that there's tiny, subtle things throughout, um, you know, that could scare all kinds of different people, among, along with a bunch of very viscerally, you know, tragic uh, bits throughout the novel as well. But
1: so that's a really interesting uh, point that that I've just thought of right now, based on your explanation of what is yeah. scary. Um So you know, there, there are a lot of different ways to scare somebody. And I think we can probably all agree that being scared is, you know, whether you like it or hate it, you know, it's, it's, it reminds you that you're human. It reminds you, you know, it, it floods your, you with adrenaline and then endorphins and you become happy and you're, you know, it's, it's, it's fun. Right. Um, but you're scared of, of something that I'm scared of. Or I'm not scared of. Because yeah. I, I was scared of, you know, I'm scared of the 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 comedy setup. I'm scared of the thing jumping out at you. I'm yeah. scared yeah. of, you know, all of a sudden a paradigm shifting. And it sounds like your your source of scary is a little bit different.
0: It is, but I think actually now that we're sitting here thinking about it, I think it's kind of rooted in the same thing, which I it's all about expectation. Mm. and meeting or defying it, right? Like the comedy setup, you're given you know, a room that appears normal and you expect it to be normal and then something very sudden and drastic happens that makes it not normal and that's scary. And that's kind of a similar thing to any of the things that I'm scared about, just kind of the subtle incongruencies that kind of happen in a universe or a world and, you know, and to be clear, like the monster scared me too. Like it's a scary monster. <laughs> <laughs> but I think so. I mean, the question is what's scary and what isn't, you know? And, and to me, what it boils down to is expectation. And so I guess that's um, where where a book would try to be scary in a way that a that a movie or a show couldn't be. It would have to play with reader expectation in a way that film can't. You know, it would have to, like you're saying, you know, you've got all this blank space in people's imagination. And this is really, I think, the key to good writing anyway. Um, Understanding what isn't there and using that in this way, quote unquote, against the reader, you Mm. know. Um, But so, yeah, I mean, what are you what's your last thought? Yeah,
1: you know, it's. It, it kind of makes me think about, you know, we've been talking more about the, the horror genre. Yeah. But I, but I feel like that that playing with the sandbox, you know, playing mm-hmm. with people's minds and kind of expecting which way they'll turn and the way that their minds will fill things up. Um, it, it reminds me a lot that there can be genuinely scary and frightening moments in, in every book. You know, whether, you know, it's a romantic suspense and and somebody has has an intruder or, you know, it's a it's a fantasy where somebody's been, you know, is, is being tortured for information or, you know, we're given science fiction where somebody wakes up in in an entirely different world and is completely disoriented. Yeah. I feel like there are opportunities to really flood that adrenaline because it's true. We we get adrenaline and we we get that that feeling and that paradigm shift happens beyond just a book that stephen king wrote
0: yeah well i'm sure we'll talk plenty more about stephen king (laughs) on this show as will our new blood rival the new york times book review Mm. (laughs) so we're coming for you but anyway so as always we'll we'll end this episode with a right tip. So take it away, Laura.
1: Yeah. So, so this one um, was kind of inspired by the slow burn horror. Um,
0: the slow burn horror. The
1: slow burn, which, which is kind of, you know, that atmospheric, you know, that's kind of my, my, my type of horror film. Yeah. Uh, and it's really about marinating, about letting things sit. It uh, doesn't matter if you're writing horror, that doesn't, that, that's that's not what I'm talking about. But really, you know, if if you're stuck mm-hmm. on a problem or you're not finding inspiration, you know, if you've got that dreaded, dreaded writer's block or, you know, you just finished a draft and you are just dying to jump back in because you know all the problems and you know what to fix um, and you're just antsy, just don't just sit and let it marinate, you know, kind of let it burn in the back of your mind. Um, because what's what's going to happen is some something in your brain, you know, your subconscious or when you're sleeping or something, um, you're going to work through the problems that you didn't know you had, or you're yeah. going to solve the problems that are really yeah. difficult. So, you know, s- let it go for at least a week even a month if you can, a, a few months if you're, you know, and you're busy in a crazy writing <clears throat> sprint and you're trying to do all sorts of stuff.
0: Read. That's yeah. always my thing. Really? Like whenever yeah. um, I am working with someone who has writer writer's block or whenever I myself feel like um, I'm stuck on something, the answer is always to go back and read because it puts your brain in the same mind space of um, – you know, trying to work through a literary, you know, sentence, you're still working with sentence and paragraph structure, you know, you're still thinking critically about all the same things you think about when you write, except it's someone else's solved problems, you know, it's someone else, Mm. someone else has already fixed their issues. And sometimes when you read something that's kind of like yours, like maybe it's a book that, um, you know, inspires you or something like that. um, And you go back and you read it, or you just kind of pick something up, you can often you often find the solutions. I mean, it's all the same reasons we love reading anyway, right? Is it inspires us? It gives us, um, I don't know, it gives us thoughts. It makes us think about things we didn't have. And when we're trying to write our own stuff, oftentimes reading books that we would picture ours sitting on a shelf with can help us then go back and think about the stuff in our own you know novels or our own manuscripts. Would
1: you also recommend reading outside of your genre?
0: Yeah. No, definitely. I was, you know, I was just thinking, you know, if you're like really locked in on a specific type of, but yeah, no, definitely. Um, you know, get out. You know, shake things loose. You know, go look at something different. Um, read something totally unlike whatever you're. Um, your manuscript is like and you'll yeah. you'll often end up finding something
1: or consume different content, you know, listen to a podcast, watch some TV, watch a movie. Well,
0: listen to certain podcasts. Yeah, listen to us. Don't <laughs>
1: <laughs> Not the New York Times.
0: Um yeah, but I think your I think your point is a good one that it's okay to set it down for a little it's bit. It's even necessary. It is you know, necessary, there's yeah. some <clears>
1: scientist <throat> and I can't remember if it was Edison or Einstein cuz I googled very ineffectively today but one of the two guys that are very famous who are sciencey and whose names start with e uh please email
0: laura with all the scientists you can think of (laughs) whose names start with e
1: so one of them when they were stuck what they would do is they would just go and they would just do something else they would they wouldn't you know sit and and chew on it they would just turn around and you know go like knit something or i'm sure they didn't knit but you you know what i'm saying like go have a meal i bet
0: einstein made a mean scarf
1: i make a mean scarf well maybe maybe i should have some fisticuffs with einstein maybe you
0: should take up physics or i can't who's, who's the real champ here he is yeah
1: he is uh yeah but one of one of them did that and you know that's that's when your stuff you know That's when your stuff gets solved. There's some sort of like brainwave neuron kind of explanation for this. It doesn't matter. I talked about neuroscience a few weeks ago. Can we add science
0: to our category list on the – like can we start competing with like – I don't know. I don't even know what the science podcasts are.
1: Is it enough to just say – a scientist whose name started with E.
0: Yeah, yeah, no that that's gonna make that makes us scientist. I'm pretty well, sure.
1: Yeah. Well, we talked about the Nobel Prize last week. Yeah. See, it wasn't about Perfect. science, but right. it was about the prize that yeah. is famous for science. Yeah. I don't know. I've We're basically
0: just... given myself three doctorates since we started this episode. So
1: <laughs> A doctorate in gong.
0: <laughs> exactly. Uh,
1: yeah. So so let it sit. Take a break. Read a book. You know, don't necessarily rush into writing something else. But if you're you're dying to, then fine um and and that is your right tip of the week and with that i will say thank you very much for joining us on our gongs inaugural episode
0: oh yeah Oh, Oh, yeah. yeah.
1: It's sticking around, guys. Uh, (laughs) Submit your gong names to us on our website or via Twitter. Um, Email us your first pages and queries at printrunpodcast at gmail.com. Don't worry. They will be read anonymously. If we don't get to yours in the first episode, they'll roll over into the pile for the next episode and every week or every month thereafter. And yeah, and review us on iTunes because... (laughs) Otherwise, if you feel so inclined, if you feel if you feel
0: so inclined and you've been enjoying yourself, a great way to show support for the show is to take 30 seconds and give us a little sentence on iTunes. We would love it. But anyway,
1: appreciate it. So on that note, uh, I'm not sure what note the gong plays, but we could figure (laughs) it out. So on the gongs note, we thank you for joining us and we will see you next week.